Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Season Gaming Bitcast. Uh, this is episode six, and today we're going to be talking about the Nintendo Switch and taking a look at how that's been performing since launch in March, uh, as usual, covering the news and some other things across the industry. So I'll be your host, Ainsley Bowden. I'm joined by Bert Sines, as usual, and uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. So the first piece of news today um, is regarding Path of Exile. So Path of Exile from Grinding Gear Games out of New Zealand is a uh, excellent action role-playing game that's been out for a few years on PC now. In fact, I was a beta supporter, uh, I want to say back in 2013 or 14, and um, excellent, excellent action role-playing game. So that has uh, just rolled out on beta form on the Xbox One, and uh, registration is online if you want to try and get a key to get in on that. And uh, I suggest you give it a shot because I've been playing it, and um, I think it's uh, it's really good so far. So, Bird, have, uh, have you ever touched on Path of Exile? No, I haven't touched Path of Exile. However, I did uh, apply for the beta. I didn't have any problems getting uh, a key. I think they responded within two hours or something, and I got a key. I've already installed it. I have yet to play it, but um, I was really into Diablo 1 and 2 back um, on PC, um, and then I just kind of stepped away from it. I don't know what it is, and so funny enough, this weekend is a free-to-play Diablo, um, and it's, the timing is kind of weird because it's right at the, the beta time this week. Um, and just to confirm, what were the dates on the beta? Uh, how long is it lasting? Uh, I don't think they've actually given an end date yet. Um, they did okay. confirm, however, that beta uh, progress is not going to carry over. So, you know, if you really get into it, uh, just be aware that your character and all items, everything is being wiped for final release. They have not given a date for final release just yet, um, but we'll throw it up on our site when they do. Yeah, and going back to what you were saying, it's really cool from what I've seen as far as the footage on it, and it's a deeper Diablo, if I'm not mistaken. It's not a kind of a light ARPG. It's more of a huge skill trees and a lot of time you can spend on it. So I'm looking forward to giving it a try. I'm not sure if it's the perfect game for me, but I know a lot of people are looking forward to it, and it looks really cool for me. So I'll give it a try, but I'm not sure if I'll love it. We'll see. Yeah, you uh, you preface that well because it is. It's a very hardcore action role-playing game. There's hundreds and hundreds of ways to customize your character due to the massive skill tree. And uh, it's really for those guys who like to kind of mid-max and, and get in there, really, too. It's it's more complex than Diablo 3. It's got some fantastic loot and just the way they design things. So it, it's it's been... Uh, Iterated upon over the past few years, like I said, by Grinding Gear Games, and they just keep adding to it. It's free to play. All of the expansions are free. Um, so they they simply make money through cosmetic, you know, microtransactions, which is, you know, kind of, I think most gamers agree is the way to do it if you're going to have a free game. So um, didn't want to spend too much time on it, but I like talking about it because it really is a great game. So if you like those types of games, uh, certainly give it a shot. Um, <clears throat> another kind of great thing for gamers is uh, Doom. Uh, one of our favorite games from last year, uh, just got a huge update. So it's uh, all the multiplayer DLC that was originally part of the season pass is gone free. So that's free for everyone. They made a whole bunch of changes to the way uh, you progress in multiplayer, some of the depth of the character progression, and uh, a lot of bug fixes and just a, a massive update. Uh, it's called Update 6.66. Like I said, it's free, opens it up for everyone. And on top of that, they, um, they're they offering a free-to-play weekend on PlayStation 4 this weekend, if you haven't tried it. And the retail price, if you want to buy it now, is only $14.99. So if you're one of those uh, people who hasn't played Doom or given it a shot yet, even if you didn't play the old games back in 20-plus uh, you know, years ago, 25 years ago, absolutely give it a try because it's just a fantastic shooter and it really has a, a personality that you don't get to see often from other uh, FPS titles nowadays. Yeah, what a, what, what a game. And I think to confirm it, that was our game of the year last year um, from, from Season Gaming. So we, we both loved it. 
Um, it's probably one of the most refreshing shooters that you'll play in a long time. Um, and it, it plays homage to the, the original Doom game. So, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy that it, it was so good and it had kind of a weird launch because some people were hating on it and then the multiplayer wasn't perfect at the beginning. So some people quit playing that because they only were interested in multiplayer, but the story was great. The way you pr progressed, the main character was great. So I definitely suggest it. And um, it, it's a must play if you're any kind of even casual shooter, you have to give it a try. It's so different from anything else. So I highly suggest it. Yep, completely agree. So Xbox One X uh, are kind of, you know, hugely anticipated piece of hardware. Um, we've been uh, waiting on pre-orders to go live. And uh, Phil Spencer this week mentioned that they did have uh, FCC approval and all the approvals are set. The November 7th launch date is set. So right now, Microsoft is just, uh, they seem to be really close to letting the fan base know when they'll be able to uh, get those pre-orders set up. So right now we're, we're coming up into August. So Gamescom, which is the uh, huge game show in Germany every year, that's August 22nd to 26th this year. There's, you know, kind of rumor circulating that that may be the date that we see uh, pre-orders go live. But at the same time, uh, I kind of have an inkling that it may come sooner prior to Gamescom. But um, regardless, it should be coming soon. And so we'll, we'll keep everyone uh, up to date on that as well. Yeah, and I, obviously I don't think it's going to be anything like the, the SNES Mini issues with pre-orders and stuff, but um, I, I personally can't wait. It's going to be uh, a big day for me to finally get my hands on it, so doing the pre-order is going to be a big deal. Um, it'll be interesting. There's been some weird rumors um, of potential like bundles of maybe a game that will kind of showcase the, the power of the X1X. Um, so I wonder what they're doing with that, and then there's also been some rumors of a surprise um, about the launch, so I wonder what all that is. But I bet you we see something in August, exactly what you were saying. So cool to see that happen. Yeah, I, I, from a bundle perspective, that's definitely one of the larger rumors going around. And I, I don't know, I would tend to think they may do something with uh, Forza 7, just because it's like a showcase title. Um, Crackdown 3 is another possibility. But I, I would really think it would be cool if they did some custom uh, Xbox One X consoles at launch, like a Crackdown 3 console. But being that it's the first launch for the, for the uh, hardware, I, I kind of doubt it, but we'll see. Yeah, um, or or kind of like the they did the Forza uh, console back when Forza was it six that launched was, six. was that the console yep. yeah that, that was a cool little console they had some funny noises that uh, I think when you started it up it sounded like a Ferrari and then the controller was different and stuff I think I'm on the hunt for that one whenever I can find that super cheap or even broken just to kind of have it in my collection of consoles <laughs> yeah so. actually um, that's the one that my sons play on so that's what I've got yeah. upstairs it's uh, yeah it's got blue with the racing stripes it's the uh, Ford GT. Uh, when, you, yeah. when you turn it on, it makes the Ford GT engine start noise. So, um, but it was also the first controller to have like the rubberized grips and those other features. So, uh, yeah, it's neat. It's neat. Um, but along that same vein, uh, while on Xbox One X, um, Player Unknown. So, uh, Battlegrounds developer, a game that just you know everyone is talking about across the industry. Couple pieces of news on that. Actually, they announced that they've reached six million in sales. So this game has just exploded onto the scene. So if you think it's already hit six million, and that's PC only. So you know, went from one million to two million kind of slowly, and and kind of uh, really became the popular broadcasting and streaming game, and it's just exploded. So that is coming to Xbox One later this year, as we saw at E3, and they came out this week speaking of the Xbox One X, saying that. Um, you know, they haven't fully optimized it yet. They don't have the final Xbox development kit for the Xbox One X, but they already have it running uh, 100-man games or, you know, 100-player servers running at 30 to 40 frames on the Xbox One X. So uh, it seems like they're probably relatively close to getting that buttoned up. And uh, I wouldn't 
wouldn't be surprised to see that be one of the kind of premier titles that launches in October, November for the uh, the Xbox One family. Yeah, and I've always been kind of a I'm a kind of a bystander at the moment with that game. It, it might be too hardcore for me. <laughs> I don't like the over the top realistic games where you know you die and then you lose everything or you're out for a while. Some people love that stuff, so um, I I still need to see more from it. I'll probably give it a try. Um, once it comes out, just to see what it's all about and if it lives up to the hype as far as I'm concerned. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I know a lot of people are super excited about it. Um, at some conferences recently, people were seeing more about it and that it was coming to Xbox One. And so we'll see. I think it looks cool. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the middle ground there. I think I'm going to love it once I start playing it because I am competitive in that sense. But um, I, I've also watched some streams of it where sometimes it looks rather dull may be a harsh word but it just it, there's a lot of kind of camping and sneaking around which um i don't know if i'll like so we'll see but either way it's it's big news um that they've already got it running and that it's coming later this year finally to console and then um <clears throat> another great piece of developer news here seems like we have a lot this this uh bitcast but uh techland so the developer of dying light which came out a few years ago now um surprised kind of everyone this week this by saying that they're going to release 12 DLCs for free over the course of the next year for uh, for Dying Light, and uh, one of the most interesting pieces of news on this is that they uh, they announced that you know at peak when the game first launched they had about 700,000 uh, players logging in weekly um, to play the game, and here we are I think it's something two and a half three years later since it launched originally and there's still 500,000 players a week logging in to play Dying Light so. Um, I haven't played it. It was one of those games that uh, I, I played and beat Dead Island with a friend in co-op. We had a good time with it, despite some of the technical issues. And uh, Dying Light was always one I wanted to get to and just never did. So um, this is just uh, fantastic. I think it, I may put it back on my radar to go to it to support the developer. But I'm kind of surprised to see the, the following that, um, no pun intended, but the, the following that the game has um, has garnered because that's impressive to still have 500,000 players logging in weekly to a game like that. Yeah, Dying Light's another one that um, I'm kind of like you. I enjoyed Dead Island. I have some friends that loved Dead Island and we played it socially together. Um, I, at the time, I was kind of over the whole zombie craze, but I gave it a try and I liked Dead Island. And so I picked up Dying Light once again to do it from a social standpoint with a buddy of mine. And uh, he got it and he, he played it all single player. Uh, he didn't um, wait for me or anything. So it was kind of funny. Um, he said it's one of the great uh, zombie games that he's played. The story's awesome. And then um, I think it was a year after the game released, they had a massive DLC come out. Um, I can't remember the name of the DLC, yeah, but so, it added. So they re they renamed the uh, the kind of overall package, Dying Light, the following. That's why I was saying right. that it's kind of garnered that. Yeah, and so the following um, is supposed to be awesome. There's new vehicles that you can do, and there's new sections of the game. And a lot of people think it's the best zombie game ever um, from what I've seen on social media. And it's got... A great fan um, fan base, as you can see, that we're talking about how many people still live um, log in live for it, and I have it, so um, I might give it another try. Go back to it. I have it on Xbox One, so maybe I'll want another game to wait for Xbox One X support. With uh, the developer being so much into the game, maybe they'll have a really cool patch for it. So maybe that'll that's something we can play socially um, with even our group. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was just gonna say. So um, yeah, maybe I'll pick up a copy, and if they do an update for Xbox One X, we can kind of co-op it. So check it out. One of the things that was kind of interesting this week is uh, PS PSN Plus um, is going up in the UK as far as cost. It's going from forty to fifty pounds. Um, 
it's kind of like another a price hike that we've seen. We saw it in the United States a while ago. Um, it was at 40. So to for people that are listening stateside, um, 50 pounds equals to about 65 and a half dollars, US dollars. So it is becoming kind of pricey in general. Um, I, I think PS, uh, PSN Plus has been more expensive than Xbox Live for a while, which is interesting because um, when Xbox Live had a fee, um, that was Sony's big thing. Our, our service is free, it's free or whatever. And now it's more um, expensive than Xbox Live, kind of worldwide. Um, another thing that's interesting is you can still find Xbox Live for a year a bit cheaper if you just catch it on the sale. I think that the going rate for Xbox Live, if you wait just for sales, is about $43. Um, so I don't know. Um, it, it's another thing. I think they uh, the reasoning for um, raising the price was to kind of do more stability with the service and offer more um, kind of hard for me to pay that just because I believe Xbox Live is a better overall service. I think when it, people only look at what are the free games you get every month, and that's the only thing they look at from a service standpoint. But when it comes to the overall features of what each service offers, it's really hard to argue that PSN Plus is better than Xbox Live. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that one. What are, what are your thoughts on that, Ains? Yeah, I pretty much uh, feel the same way. Um, you know, I don't, obviously, we buy so much stuff for games, I don't mind spending the money, but I'd like to see what, you know, Sony's going to do in terms of PSN stability to make this worth it. You know, they still take it down for routine maintenance. Um, things like uh, Party Chat, even on PSN, just the quality of it is, is below what Xbox Live is. It sounds closer to 360 than it does on Xbox One. And there's just little features like that. There's a, there's a lot more that Xbox Live as a as a service offers uh, than PSM Plus does. So um, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see if maybe Sony has some plans that they haven't discussed yet. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, 50, pounds, uh, 50 pounds a year is, is is a significant jump. As you said, it's 25% increase if you're if you're living in the UK. So, um, so another uh, <clears throat> kind of sales-related piece of news. So I, I kind of caught this uh, just from different posts online over the week, but a uh, couple larger titles that didn't seem to do well um, from a sales perspective, and both were paid exclusives for their platform. So I kind of wanted to just talk about that and, and, and you know, see what our thoughts were because of that. So Dead Rising 4, uh, which was an Xbox One exclusive, they worked with Capcom to develop it, but it came out in, at a weird time. It came out in December. The big thing missing from the game was co-op. Uh, a lot of people played Dead Rising 3 in co-op and, and had a great time with it, myself included. And uh, Dead Rising 4 scrapped that, and I know that was a huge kind of uh, outcry from the community that they, you know, a lot of players weren't going to pick it up because of that. Uh, again, myself included, I never bought it, neither did the friend I was going to play it with. So uh, that has not even sold a million copies yet, and that's coming up on, you know, seven months after release. So that that's pretty shocking for the Dead Rising franchise, you know, to not even see it sell a million, million copies. And then Street Fighter V, which was, uh, you know, anticipated to be this huge release because it's Street Fighter and any of the mainline Street Fighter titles are always a huge release. Um, PlayStation 4 exclusive, and, uh, you know, it had a, a rough launch. It, it lacked a ton of features that people expected, even like the stories for each character. And uh, even now, so, so long later, that came out, if I recall, early last year. So we're, you know, it's been out for a long time now, still is uh, just around less than one and a half million sold. So I think they said 1.7 million shipped, but uh, you know, shipped is, means there's probably a bunch of copies sitting on shelves. So uh, not good sales for either of these. And I have to wonder if uh, Capcom is thinking, you know, maybe we shouldn't sign these exclusive deals to a single platform or just, you know, finish their games more completely because uh, these didn't sell well at all. 
Yeah, and I, if I remember correctly, Dead Rising had a massive um, advertising campaign. Um, they, they I, I remember I even saw a few of those commercials in the movie theater before a movie that I went to go see. So um, it's kind of weird. I, I don't know if, like I said, there was just uh, people just weren't into Dead Rising. It, I don't know if it's because there's less Xbox Ones. I don't know if it's people are over zombies in general. It's kind of weird because there was a lot of cool things to it. And um, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that game and if, if the developer does more to it later. Street Fighter was one that really bothered me when they went uh, PS4 only because I've played all the other uh, Street Fighters. I may not play them for the longevity of the game, but the other funny thing is it had no campaign mode. There was no story mode. You could, When you first got it, you could only play multiplayer. Um, and since the game release, they've done a ton of tweaking to it. Um, I have a few buddies that are, um, you know, near uh, professional Street Fighter gamers, and it's probably one of their least favorite games in, in recent times, and even in some of the tournaments that happen, there's still a lot of people that play it. It's not something that doesn't get played, but there's there's the, the sign-ups for the game are less than other games. Um, so it, I don't know. It was a cool-looking game, though. I'll tell you that. The graphics are great on it, but that's another game you can get for, like, under... 15 bucks almost anywhere. Um, so it's super cheap to pick up if you want to give it a try. They, they've added a lot of uh, new characters and features. There is now a story mode. Um, but I think that was just a game that was not ready for release. And, and you were asking about launch dates. It was um, February of 2016. So Yeah, yeah. so early last year. And that just, yeah. uh, for Street Fighter Five. I mean, if you think about, everyone knows Street Fighter Two, But if you just think about Street Fighter uh, in general and the, the following that game has for it to sell, one and a half million copies a year and a half into its life is, is really poor for that title. So one of the most interesting pieces of news here. So um, Limited Run Games is a company that uh, makes limited runs of physical copies of uh, games that you can't traditionally get either physically or, you know, classics that haven't been out for years to come. So they announced a few months ago that they were going to be doing a remastered version of Night Trap for so... Uh, for those who may be a little younger and don't uh, don't remember the 16-bit uh, era too well, or the you know when FMV or full motion video kind of first came onto the scene in video games, uh, 3DO was a big uh, proponent of this. Um, Night Trap was a game that uh, caused a lot of controversy at the time. Um, it was one of the games that um, you know had people discussing whether video games were causing violence in children and all these other things. And it was a game, essentially, a really almost like a B or even C movie title about some um, kind of sorority girls or uh, younger girls that were in a house and they get attacked and uh, you basically have to escape. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's known among uh, some of the older guys as, uh, as one of those just cult classic but hilariously bad games. And uh, it's being remastered for its 25th anniversary and Limited Run Games is doing a run of it. There's actually a collector's edition that you can get. Um, and there's, uh, they're doing a run of it for PlayStation 4 and PC as well. So people have been waiting to see when this is going to go on sale because limited run games um, usually sell out really quickly and they don't make any more ever again. So if you're looking to get Night Trap for whatever crazy reason, um, they announced that that's coming August 11th. So that's going to be the date that uh, they go up for pre-order. So keep an eye on that. But um, I've actually... Sad to say, I've never played it. I've seen it. I, uh, you know, running on Sega CD, but I've never actually played it. And I'm kind of mad that I don't have an original copy of it, just for, you know, just for the collection. But uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. So, uh, Night Trap was that game that um, was too too risque, I guess you could say, for me to play as a kid. My parents wouldn't allow it. I actually didn't have the consoles to play it either. It was um, 
wasn't it 3DO and then it had the Sega Genesis attachments that you could play it as? I think it was like the 32X or maybe Sega CD. It was yeah, um, it, was, it was Sega CD. Um, I don't know if it was 3DO as well or you know CDI at the time. Remember the Philips CDI? I don't remember exactly yeah. all the platforms it was on. I know it was on Sega CD though. Yeah, so I I uh, didn't have the I never got the Sega CD until later when I was um when I could afford it on my own, my parents wouldn't get it for me. But yeah, Night Trap was that game that was talked about on the news and everybody was talking about how it was inappropriate and it was ruining kids' minds and all kinds <laughs> of things like that. So I, I also have not played it, uh, but I kind of want to play it just to kind of see the craziness of what it was. Um, and it, I, I've seen videos, like some of the full motion videos have been on like YouTube or whatever, you can kind of catch it and they're hilariously bad. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of, I'll actually try to grab one, a copy just from a collector standpoint. Yeah, I might as well, and it's going to be interesting because I, I see these probably selling out really quickly because there's probably a bunch of people like us that just want to have a copy to say they have a copy of it, you know. So um, I think it'll probably also uh, kind of uh, ignite the uh, secondhand market for the original copies as well. So we'll see. <laughs> um, well, that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be a fun one to try to get. Um, so actually, what, what console does it play on, or is it more of just... Um, anniversary so it's, edition. It's PC, PlayStation 4, and okay. then um, they're also doing a collector's edition that I, I don't know if you can get PS4 or PC on uh, on those as well, but it's like a, it comes in like a box with some extras, so you can find it on their site. Yeah, I'll try, I'll try to add a little picture of it for our viewers that are watching on YouTube just so they can kind of see what it's about. But uh, yeah, that'll be funny. I'd be curious to see how long loading times are compared to back in the day, because I remember, man, for those <laughs> to load that... 15-second full-motion video back at like a four-minute load or something. The loading was longer than the video. Yeah, the, the old, like, two double-speed CD drives, you know, <laughs> yeah. going way back. Loud as can be, you know. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on to the next piece is, uh, so For Honor, a game that I talked about uh, quite a bit at launch. Um, it's, uh, it's still got a dedicated fan base, but a, a lot of players have dropped off on it. Um, so we're, we're seeing another Ubisoft title here where, um, you know, it launched in a state that may not have been 100% ready. Um, a lot of people were having disconnect issues or some balance issues, et cetera. But um, they just released their roadmap, if you will, for this week, uh, earlier this week, excuse me, um, for the next year. And they're going to be doing some major changes to the game. So they're going to be uh, moving it to dedicated servers, uh, which is something that fans have been pleading for since launch. Uh, they're going to be adding, you know, maps and heroes and, and other things, more uh, content. But they're also going to be doing balance changes, adding like a, a gameplay trainer mode and, and several things. So I think, again, this is going to be another one of those titles where it was I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually, at launch. But I, it, it's going to be a completely different game and a better game a year after launch than it was when it launched. So um, this is cool to see. But at the same time, I it's seems to be a uh, recurring problem for a lot of major games nowadays, and it's getting a little frustrating for players who are the early adopters and, uh, you know, not getting their, their full money's worth right at launch. Yeah, Ubisoft, Ubisoft, Ubisoft. I don't even know what to think of them with a lot of their releases these days because funny if I called it that this would happen with this game because everybody was excited about it. Um, I remember when the first trailers were launched back in the day, everybody was like, this is going to be great. Um, but then the game comes out and um, some people liked it a lot and they were kind of just liking it because it finally came out. But I think when the reality set in and had a lot of things that were kind of missing and, and broken or whatever, but I don't know what it is about Ubisoft, man. I mean, they do this all the time um, with their games and, and in recent memory divisions changed watchdogs. 
Um, now we got For Honor changing a lot. I mean, I know it's good for the fan base, but to your point, if you buy this at launch um, and you're expecting a ton, and the game's completely changing a year later, or at least getting what they should have had at launch, I mean, just launch the games when they're ready to go, please, Ubi. <laughs> yeah, Rainbow Six Siege is another one, too. Oh, God, Rainbow Six. Yeah. Didn't that have, like, horrible sales at the start? And then um, yeah. they had, like, a, a rebound where people like, hey, it was actually good after they made the changes. Yeah, it's it's actually grown in player base over the past you know year year and a half. So um, yeah, it's supposedly a great game now. But uh, again, for those, I, it, it's an interesting discussion really because it's a unique problem if you think about it for this industry, right? So if you think of other forms of media, you don't go to a a theater and see a movie or read a book or listen to a CD that a year later is suddenly much better. You know what I mean? You're not. It's it's really weird to think. Oh, I, I spent fifteen bucks to go see uh, Dunkirk, but I'm gonna wait till uh, next year to watch it because Nolan's gonna make some updates and the movie will be a lot better next year. You know that doesn't really that doesn't happen. So it's it's just uh, the development of games is tough. It takes a long time, a lot of people, a lot of funding, and um, you know they're constantly working through things. So I think it's one of those balances between uh, as usual between the developers and the the goals and the publisher. Uh, you know, and the stockholders who need to get those games out. So, um, and it's funny because one of the uh, Ubi games that's coming here next month actually is Mario. Mario, God damn it, um, Mario <laughs> and Rabbit's <laughs> Kingdom Battle, and uh, and that's you know in coordination with Nintendo. So if if there's one company that is kind of known for having their first party software launch without a lot of bugs, it's Nintendo, right? Their their releases are usually ready to go. And so um, it, I, I would love to be behind the scenes with Ubisoft and Nintendo and Nintendo being like, no, you know, this isn't ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Ubisoft trying to push it out last year or something. But um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll see. I, I've never seen a Nintendo game that's got Mario that fans didn't eat up and either hate it or love it. I mean, there's a few games that they uh, have kind of been on the fence about, like Mario Tennis. The most recent one was kind of like, what is this stuff? So. <laughs> We'll see. Um, we got some good news coming from Titanfall 2. If you're a Titanfall 2 person that um, has kind of been on the side and kind of pushed away because they didn't like the first one, I can't tell you how much. Give it a try. Um, it's so good. Um, I loved the, the story in this one. People complained there was no story. They brought a story that still didn't change some ideas. I've, I've uh, kind of talked with Jordan and you about this. I think a lot of what happened with Titanfall 2 was the publisher kind of failed them. Um, and also their launch window was just an unfortunate one. But I, in my opinion, Titanfall is still one of the best shooters around from even a multiplayer standpoint, not even that the story's back. But uh, the big news about Titanfall 2, if I can get to the point here, is that it's going free. Um, it'll be free on EA and Origin Access. So if you um, have either one of those services, you'll be able to play it for free. Um, that'll be happening on Tuesday, August 1st. Um, however, if you don't have either of those, you can get it dirt cheap. It's under 20 bucks. Um, just look for it used or even buy it new somewhere. GameStop, I think I've seen it numerous times in the past six months where it's their deal of the week for, I think, $19.99. Um, and then the DLC um, on there, you can get it either uh, completely free now. So... Um, I don't know. I don't know what keeps people away from this game. I, it's on both consoles now. The big argument in the past was that it was only on Xbox One and it didn't have a campaign. Uh, it's on both consoles now. So if uh, just give it a try is all I say. I mean, gosh, it was such a good game. So. Yeah, it is. And we've we've touched on it before, so I won't spend too much time. But the, the developers, you know, respawn, great developers. All the DLC is free. The campaign's amazing. So there's no reason not to try it. 
And uh, to your point about getting it cheap, you know, if it's once it's free on EA or Origin Access, you can get a month of that for five bucks. So even if you just wanted to try it to play the campaign and try multiplayer, you can do that for five bucks or less. So there's no reason not to try it if you like shooters. It's it's excellent. Yeah, and last piece of news to round it off before we move to our next section. Um, so there's there's some new news, and I know some people have run a rampant with this one in the rumor stuff, but um, there's a new Battlefield coming in 2018. Uh, this was found per an EA investor call. Um, there's no concrete details as to the time period they had. So obviously, remember Battlefield 1, that's kind of a different take in an alternate uh, World War II uh, story, so it's off, actually not based on history, more of a, a change on it. However, they have historical campaigns that happened in World War II. Um, with Battlefront 2 coming out this year, obviously the focus is going to be on that this fall. So we are going to be seeing a new Battlefield in 2018, and obviously the assumption will be fall 2018. Um, so we'll see what, what comes from it. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they go maybe to a, a different era um, versus a future game. I don't see Battlefield moving to the future, but Keep in mind, EA has not made any announcements to this, so before you run into the rumors and fake news story, um, that's all we've got from them so far. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, um, you know, there's as you said, there's been kind of rampant speculation around this one. Uh, personally, I was just going to say that uh, we've got World War II from uh, you know Call of Duty this year. I would really love to see Battlefield go back to Vietnam. I thought the Vietnam expansion. Um, for Bad Company 2 was just simply amazing. And uh, I love that that era and the, the weaponry and the jungle maps. And uh, I think with today's technology, especially, you know, PC, Xbox One X, PS4 Pro, uh, some of the jungle settings and nighttime environments they could do for a Vietnam era game now, um, as compared to say, you know, six, seven years ago would be really, really stunning. So that's where I hope they go with it, but we'll see. Yeah, and at the same time, maybe they can make a full game of Vietnam versus just an expansion. So that would be something right. cool. And we, we've got a touch of jungle stuff from the Star Wars Battlefront series. So that looked amazing, too. So I'm with you. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. So uh, that is wrapping up the news, which, like we said, we had quite a bit. Uh, there was one piece we wanted to touch on. So we usually touch on some uh, news behind developers on the BitCast here. We don't really have a lot. There's not really been no huge kind of developer-related news. But um, I wanted to touch on one thing, and that is uh, just a couple months ago, the ID at Xbox program. So if you're not familiar with this, back in 2013, after the Xbox One launch, Microsoft recognized that uh, indie development was, you know, exploding, essentially. And so they created an internal prob uh, problem program called ID at Xbox. And essentially that's a, a group within the Xbox team that, that works with indie developers to get their games published on the Xbox One platform and PC. And, uh, you know, helps them with development kits and, uh, you know, um, things of that nature, funding and help with coding and things like that. And uh, long story short, so in the past uh, less than four years, the ID at Xbox program has produced over 500 games they announced, and it's over a billion hours played, So, which is just extraordinary if, uh, if you kind of think about that and put that into context and perspective. But um, one of the additional things that they've been working on, they actually announced this kind of quietly a couple years ago, and uh, it's been a long time coming, and it's actually out now, is that the, one of the latest updates on the Xbox One platform is called the Creator's Update. And what that allows you to do is that anybody with an Xbox One, even your base launch Xbox One, can now actually create a game. So if you're one of those kind of tinkerers or one of those kind of people that just likes to code in their spare time and, and make some games, or you know, even no matter how small they are, how simple they are, you can actually, um, you can actually uh, program that like you normally would, but then you can uh, basically use your Xbox One 
to uh, publish that out and see how it, it would run, including even things like Xbox Live integration and social integration. So uh, this is really neat. I think that um, I just want to touch on it because it's, it's really unique. It's not going to affect a, a large number of people. But, uh, you know, if you think about just even like 10, 15 years ago, how hard it was to get into coding and really get something out there in front of people to play, um, it's easier than ever now. And that's why we're seeing so many of these smaller indie games. Um, but I think, uh, I think this is neat that Microsoft is supporting this. And if you're, if you're one of those people who do like to code and do like to do these things, definitely look it up uh, if you're not aware of it because it may help you uh, get your game out there in front of some people. Yeah, really cool stuff, and I, I love when Xbox does this kind of stuff um, with with uh, kind of developers and different stuff. They did some similar things back in the 360 stuff, but you had to be um, kind of registered with them and everything. But yeah, really cool to see. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's a little more obscure, um, but I think this is Microsoft using some of their you know breadth across the industry and uh, you know just their all of their resources, right? So uh, the more they can help uh, some smaller people like. Uh, uh, independent developers do things like this the better. So I think that's great. Um, so that was all we had from the developer side. And then we also like to cover kind of rumors or, you know, we like to say fake news nowadays, right? But um, the only thing that we saw recently come out this week actually was uh, kind of blew up, of course, because it's Grand Theft Auto related. But a piece of news came out and was run across many of the larger sites that uh, Grand Theft Auto 6 was officially in development because a, uh, a motion capture actor had it listed in his resume with Red Dead Redemption 2 and a few other titles. Um, so this kind of got run with for about a day. And then, uh, you know, it kind of came out the following day. The actor said, uh, this is 100% untrue. I'm not doing any motion capture work right now. And uh, the website that originally posted it was not, you know, any affiliate to any development company. Um, so this was just kind of put out there. I mean, it goes without saying that Grand Theft Auto 6 is likely being planned by Rockstar, but it's probably a little ways out, especially with Red Dead Redemption 2 yet to launch and uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 online still just booming for them in terms of uh, revenue. So, um, but just wanted to clear that up in case anyone saw that uh, news story that Grand Theft Auto 6 was officially in development. Um, there's been no official word and that is unconfirmed. Yeah, I think it's safe to assume that we are going to see another Grand Theft Auto coming. It's just this is not a real announcement at some point. But and Rockstar can't do anything bad these days when it comes to releases and games. But these these rumors and fake stuff coming out, man, this is going to confuse gamers in general um, in the near future. I see more of it happening. We had it happen with Andromeda recently, with you know DLC coming. Now we have another fake um, information coming regarding someone's resume. I mean, when you start messing with actors' resumes and stuff, that's kind of weird. But um, you know, I guess it's we're going to see more of it. So unfortunate, but uh, hopefully people pay attention to the announcement and wait for it to be confirmed before telling everybody about it, which can cause headaches. So, yeah, for sure. So that's all we had from the news perspective. So we're going to move on to uh, kind of new releases and what we've been playing. So some um, <clears throat> larger new releases this this past week or week and a half. So we had uh, Fortnite, which is a big one. That's across uh, PC, PS4, and uh, Xbox. And uh, we'll touch on that uh, more because we've been playing that one. So that's the game from Epic that uh, has been in production for a long time now. I think it originally debuted five or six years ago and uh, has finally released in early access form. And we've been playing that, so we'll talk about it. Uh, we have Sundered and Pyre. So these are two uh, kind of indie titles from, from um, Pyre from Supergiant Games. And uh, Sundered is a hand-drawn kind of... Uh, 
Metroidvania-style game. These both launched on PS4 and PC. Pyre, in particular, is getting uh, really, really good reviews. Um, <clears throat> so Pyre is from Supergiant Games, like I said, uh, Transistor and Bastion, where the previous game's also pretty highly regarded. But um, this one is is really seemed to be, uh, you know, getting people excited. And then um, we had Splatoon 2 uh, released for the Nintendo Switch. So that is a, a huge release for the Switch, uh, especially overseas and in Japan. Uh, it's selling, you know, uh, like wildfire. And then um, Modern Warfare Remastered uh, also released as a standalone title. So if you recall, you had to buy Infinite Warfare um, to get Modern Warfare Remastered previously, but it is now released as a standalone tile, title Excuse me, for $39.99. So, um, Bert, what are your thoughts on, on some, of these, uh, some of these games? Yeah, so some of the smaller ones, I, I've heard of them in the past when they were announced. I didn't know anything about them, and, and in watching a lot of the reviews for them, they look really interesting. Um, however, I am my backlog is insane right now, so I, I probably will not touch Sundered or Pyre for a while. Um, so that's kind of uh, unfortunate because it's getting like, or I should say Pyre, Sundered is getting very mediocre reviews, but um, Pyre, man, it was getting like an 85 on Open Critic, so it, it's scoring super high. Um, when you hear some of the reviewers talk about the game on how the game makes you feel when you play it and you, you are thinking about the game after you've played it, um, even when you're not gaming, that's that's something strong to keep in mind as to a good game. So maybe I'm going to have to force myself to touch that one. Uh, Splatoon 2, um, another big first-party game for the Switch. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't care for the first one too much, as much as everybody else does, but people are loving Splatoon 2. It's doing awesome in sales. I see on social media that, you know, they had a great time with it, or users that I follow, I should say. So um, it's doing well. It's doing a lot better than ARMS did when that released, so I think people love that, and it's getting reviewed about what I expected. I think it's uh, averaging an 83 right now, um, and I expected an 85 or 86, so I'm only a couple points off, but it's, it's doing what I expected. Um, Modern Warfare Remastered uh, has ticked a lot of people off <laughs> because a lot of people went with the uh, with the um, was it Infinite Warfare Legacy Edition, which is including me. Um, but I got it for so for for a good price to where I can't really complain about it. But for people that paid you know more and are you know were like I'm only getting this because I went with the Legacy thing, it's going to upset a lot of people. And it's actually not going for that cheap either. It's going for forty bucks. So let's see, Modern Warfare came out. 2007. 2007, yep. Seven, yeah. So, um, gosh, I know it's remastered, and I will tell you, it looks great um, on the new consoles, but um, it's kind of weird, and they, they've also been charging for DLC for that game, too. Um, so, I don't know. I'm on the fence about what people think about it. You know, I have a family member that works for Activision, um, and they know quite a bit about this, this controversy, so... Um, Unfortunate in some ways, but cool that you're getting it if you don't care for the infinite warfare space battle type thing. I just think 40 bucks is a bit steep, but who knows? I, I guess Activision knows what they're doing, but maybe they don't. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I, uh, and I could echo all of that, but just for uh, listeners, so if you are interested in getting Modern Warfare Remastered, don't spend the $40 on just that. You can actually get the Infinite Warfare Legacy Edition, which includes it. For less than forty dollars in places now. Uh, in fact, there was a place uh, I forget where it was online earlier or last week. Excuse me, was selling it for thirty four ninety nine, and you got both games. So why not get both games rather than just buying the forty dollar game? But yeah, it has caused a lot of controversy among uh, among the the COD crowd. So we'll see how that sells. I don't know if that's gonna sell as well as they had hoped, but we'll see. 
Yeah, and so really quick on people that um, are wondering how it works disc-wise. So you get one disc. There's not two discs inside of it. Um, it's a Blu-ray, obviously, so you're going to have a lot more data abilities on there. And when you launch either game, it sends you to the menu first, and it tells you which one do you want to launch, and then it launches its own standalone game. So it's not built into Infinite Warfare to where you simply launch it from one of their menus. It's its own game, but you do have to have the disc unless you went digital um, for it. So it's a little different um, how it works. It's not two different discs. Yep. And then uh, just a couple betas that uh, you know people are interested in. We actually did. Uh, we're giving away some NHL 18 beta codes yesterday on our on our Twitter account. But um, NHL 18 beta is out, and that's running through uh, Tuesday, I believe. And then uh, Path of Exile, as we already kind of commented on, is one of the pieces of news. So those are running as well. So um, in terms of currently playing, what do you uh, what have you been playing, Burr? Yeah, so with our social group, I've been giving Fortnite a try. Um, I, I find it super fun. I don't uh, get into super deep uh, side of the stuff like you guys do. I, I always joke around. I just like shooting shit. <laughs> so, um, however, I the best way to explain this game, it's uh, plants vs. zombies with Minecraft and then, um, I don't know, some kind of zombie game I could throw in there, Left 4 Dead or something, all mixed in um, into one game. So if you're into that at all, I suggest giving it a try. Um, I'm finishing up Andromeda, um, I hate to say, but this is one of my favorite games of this year. No, I know it's not. No, it's not. it is. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to be writing an article and probably doing a video on why people need to actually give this game a try. Um, it's, it's fantastic. I, I liked it a lot. Um, and I'm at hour 54. So um, I, I think on the how long to beat website, I think it says it's about 65 to 70 hours if you go and get every mission. Um, getting a completionist, I think it takes about 100 hours or something, but I won't be doing that. I'll be doing as much as I can. And then lastly, um, I'm going to be giving Diablo 3 a try uh, this weekend, so that's what I'm currently playing. There's some smaller games, that I'm um, some of the Telltale games that I'm uh, finishing up, which is Game of Thrones and uh, uh, Borderlands Telltale games. So I'll, I play those kind of on the side when um, I want to just kind of play something different. How about you? Yeah, so uh, you comment on Fortnite. Obviously, we've been playing that together and doing some uh, some of our co-streaming on Mixer. If you want to, you know, any of the listeners want to check out Fortnite from our early access. Uh, I'm loving Fortnite. Um, you know, there are a few complaints among the community around the the way it's set up because eventually down the line it will be a free-to-play game. And so if you think about the structure of how you earn things in the game, there's kind of daily activities and you have to unlock certain things and. And uh, there's, there is quite a lot of management to your uh, inventory and the things in the game. But from a gameplay perspective, it's an absolute blast. Um, you know, you were saying it's kind of like Minecraft with Plants vs. Zombies, and that's exactly right. And then I would throw in Borderlands on top of that. So there's a, a huge amount of gun variation and styles and crafting that you can do um, and lots of loot. And then you can play it in four-player co-op as well. So it's 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 been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying that, actually. Uh, I put some impressions up on the site if you want to check them out. And like I said, we've been doing some streaming on Mixer as well. So, you know, anything you want to get from Fortnite, we're, we're kind of covering for you. Um, and then I've been playing um, some of the betas we just talked about. So big NHL fan, hockey player, as, as I've mentioned before. So I usually do some impressions of NHL. I play it every year. And uh, we played, uh, three of us played some EASHL last night. And I got to say, I'm quite disappointed in it. It's uh, it's likely the least I've seen NHL change or improve in a number of years, probably since 15. And uh, right now, I've got to play it a little more, but right now I'm not impressed at all. So I'll probably write some impressions on that once I get a little more gameplay with it, but uh, we'll see. And then Path of Exile I was trying out. Uh, I was a 
beta supporter on Path of Exile, an original uh, kind of funder of the game. I've put a lot of hours into it on PC. I, I beat the original game. When they expanded it, I beat that again. I've run multiple classes. So I wanted to see how it ran on Xbox One. It runs great. I'm surprised. Um, I'm honestly surprised at how good it runs. It, it looks beautiful, plays well. The menu system is, you know, is uh, not too counterintuitive. Sometimes the management of the inventory and stuff is, is a pain on controller and it's not as precise, or excuse me, not as uh, concise as uh, it is with keyboard and mouse, but it's still it's still excellent. So, gotta be playing that. And then lastly, um, The Long Dark is a survival game that launches this week. Uh, the launch trailer we put up on the site this morning and uh, we're gonna be likely reviewing that as well. So I, I've put some time into that and um, you know, I'm enjoying it so far, but I need to need to spend some more time with it. So, so you're not really playing anything, is what you're saying? <laughs> and that's that's what I played yesterday. So, <laughs> this morning. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, there's a whole host of other games I won't touch on, but those are the main ones. Fortnite really has me quite addicted to it, honestly. I'm thinking about playing it as we're talking. So um, I'll probably be playing that a lot over the coming weeks. Um, all right. So we want to move on to the main topic and. Um, Today we were going to kind of revisit the Switch. Uh, so we talked about it at launch. Uh, Bert did a, a bunch of um, kind of videos, unboxings, comparisons, and all the information you would want to know about the Switch is still out there on our site. If you're still, you know, new to picking it up or thinking about picking it up, you can find all of that out there on our uh, YouTube channel or uh, the articles on the site. But we were going to kind of come back to it and say, uh, just take another look at it because it's been out for five months now. It's selling well. Uh, Arms and Splatoon 2 are out in the wild, uh, the two of the big releases uh, for the Switch <clears throat> out of its initial kind of launch window. And anyway, um, so just to give you some figures, so the Nintendo came out this week and announced that it has sold 4.7 million Switches uh, since March when it launched. It is on a better pace of sales than the Wii U, which really isn't too impressive because the Wii U didn't sell well, but it's also selling faster than the 3DS, which is impressive. Um, so essentially, I think right now, Nintendo is pretty much selling as many Switches as they could make. You know, um, anytime it comes in stock, people are buying them up. Um, so I think they're in really good shape with the Switch right now. Uh, both Bert and I own one, uh, obviously, so we, we've kind of talked about that. But let me give you some sales figures of the titles to just show you how high the attach rate is for the software for the Nintendo Switch. So. Zelda, which we've talked about ad nauseum, so we won't cover that again. It's a forerunner for Game of the Year and almost everywhere. That has sold um, nearly 4 million copies. So if you think that yeah. uh, Nintendo Switch has sold 4.7 million units and Zelda sold 4 million copies, I think you know why people are buying a Switch. Um, Splatoon 2, selling extremely well. It just came out, so we don't have any huge figures yet, but they've, they've said in three days it already sold more than Zelda in Japan, uh, something over 600,000 copies just in Japan in three days. Uh, and it's selling well in the U.S. too. So, um, you know, that's selling huge. Mario, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, um, fastest-selling Mario game, Kart game ever. It has uh, just reached 3.5 million units sold. And then ARMS, which is a more obscure game, um, you know, we didn't know how that would do. I, I did play in the uh, beta for it, and uh, I haven't bought it, but it has already sold just in two weeks in June, because they didn't have the July data yet, but it has already sold over a million copies as well. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of obvious that people are software-starved and willing to support 
the Switch. You know, um, we've talked about it before. There's something about just being able to take your home console with you on the go that makes you want to buy games for it because you feel like you can have that console experience anywhere, which is kind of amazing. Um, so anyway, Bert, I, I've kind of been rambling here, but that's the overall uh, kind of picture of what Nintendo's seeing with the Switch. It's selling like hotcakes. The software's selling well. People want it. So it seems like they have a big success on their hands. Yeah, one of the things that I, when I actually reviewed it, um, the console during the unboxing, I, I kind of mentioned kind of something funny. I was like, they should have waited to the summer, or if you're in no rush to play Zelda, wait for the summer. Um, well, here I am in the summer, and I'm going to extend it. Wait till the fall. <laughs> um, and the reason I say this is because I, I kind of call this like fabricated, uh, fabricated um, hype in the sense to where I think a lot of people that have been on the fence about a, a Switch are like, oh, I really want one, but am I going to get one? And then they hear they can get one, and they run out and get one. Um, and what happens in that sense is you get the console, and if you were a Nintendo Wii U adopter and you have one and you have the software, there's very little for you to play right now. Um, Zelda is obviously a game. It's, it's my current game of the year. Uh, sorry, it's second game of the year behind Horizon Zero Dawn. But after you play Zelda, there's really not much else to really play. Um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, if you already played Mario Kart on Wii U, there's really nothing new here with the exception of a few multiplayer modes and a couple new features when you're playing in the GPs. Um, a lot of the software that's out, is stuff from the previous generation, and that's PS3, Xbox 360, and I guess Wii U. Wii U is kind of one of those weird consoles where it's sat in the middle of two generations. Um, so I, I actually have had a hard time uh, coming back to the Switch since playing a lot of software on it. I only play it socially now with friends when they come over. Um, and Nintendo seems to be doing this thing where they have one or two games that come out every quarter, and that sells out crazy. Um, Arm is a game that I, when I initially mentioned it when we were playing beta on it, I thought it was kind of like a, a showcase demo for what the, the console could do, but did I ever think that it was going to sell over a million units? No way. Um, the game's a lot deeper than we expected, um, and it's good, but I'm surprised that somebody went out and bought it at full price at 60 bucks for waiting for it to go down. Splatoon 2, like I said, I'm, I, it's not for me, but a lot of people love it, and I got nothing negative to say about it, so um, you know, great for them. I think that's a game a lot of people were waiting for, but when you take out Zelda, when you take out Mario Kart, which was a game from last generation, you take out ARMS and you take out Splatoon 2, what other massive games have released for the Switch in the past five months? Almost in August, we're going to get the uh, Ubisoft game, Mario and Rabbids. Um, but aside from that, what else is, has come out in the past? That'll be, I guess, six months. Um, so it's great for people that didn't do any Wii U stuff. It's not good for people that did do Wii U stuff and support Nintendo. Um, and... Like I said, I am not coming back to the Switch every day and wanting to play it now that I finished Zelda. I actually had a hard time finishing uh, most of the stuff for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I, I haven't um, platinumed every single race, and I, I only play it now when people are over. I, um, I can't play it single player because it's just too repetitive at this point. So I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't want to dog Nintendo too much um, because I, I'm, a, I'm probably the biggest Nintendo fan on, on our site. But... Um, it's such a weird phenomenon for me on on when Nintendo stuff comes out. People just love it, eat it up no matter what. You know, the, actually, I, I do remember what the game is. Uh, Pocket Tournament, the new Pokemon game. That was on Wii U, too, and people are already 
going out and looking for custom controllers to have Pokemon figures on there. Um, that people are already like pre-ordering it and they can't wait for it to come out. It was already out. It's it's people have already played it last generation. So I'm sure that's going to sell crazy in Japan. Um, and people are going to probably buy United States too with all the Pokemon craze right now. So I don't know. It's weird for me. Um, I, I'm waiting for maybe software coming down the line. Mario is going to blow us away. I'm sure. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's so weird uh, being a huge Nintendo fan, but being like a massive supporter for the Switch because it's really hard to stand up for a lot of what Nintendo's choices are. And don't even get me started on the on the online app for chatting. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I was just going to further your point that you know you're mentioning how all the stuff can already be played, and really, you didn't need a Switch to play Zelda. You know, it came out yeah. on the Wii U as well. Um, so, but I think I think to your point, I think the I would guess anyway that one of the reasons people are buying so much software for it is kind of what I said. And I think other people feel the same is that just because it's portable, you know, just because you can take it with you, people are willing to buy more software with it because, you know, whether you're on an airplane or a bus or wherever you're going, you can, you can kind of take it with you. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of partially with you. I haven't touched mine in a while outside of the traveling I did over the summer. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm not the hugest Zelda fan, so I do have it. I, I play it on occasion, but I, I haven't gone back to it lately. Uh, I am buying uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, so we'll see how that is. That looks fun and unique. And then, as you said, Mario Odyssey is the game I truly bought a Switch for. But I think your point about the the fabricated uh, hype or shortage is uh, causing people to buy it. I could almost say I'm one of those people, because if you remember, um, I was looking for one. I, I got one at launch. I returned it because uh, it... I was waiting for Mario. I was going to wait till the fall. Then the shortage happened, and I was like, ah, oh, maybe I should pick one up, and I, I did. I found one, and I bought it, and I haven't put that much time into it, honestly. In fact, the game, I think I've probably played almost as much as Zelda, and I played it more than Mario Kart was a Neo Geo classic that I loved because some of the downloadable software on uh, on Switch are some Neo Geo titles, and I was a big Neo Geo fan. So, um, yeah, I think your point's valid there, but... So let's let's talk a little bit about um, some of the core lacking features, right? So you mentioned the online app. Um, they it was originally coming in fall of this year. They delayed it till next year. There is a uh, free version that came out, really kind of bare bones ish with Splatoon two, so that you can download that app on your phone now. Um, I think you showed a picture in one of our previous bitcasts, did you not, of like the, uh, the yep. setup of you know what you need to do to kind of use that as chat, and it's quite frankly just utterly ridiculous. I don't understand it. I don't know what Nintendo's thinking here, um, especially when if you just think about you know the other consoles in the market, how easy it is to just turn on the console and start chatting or playing with your friends. It, they make it so difficult and so it's so lackluster on the Switch. And then, um, you know, even app support, too. So things, you know, things that people have come to expect that were there a few years into the 360 and PS3 generation. Uh, so Netflix, Amazon, you know, um, just going on and, and being able to stream. And you've got a portable device, right? Like if you think about it in a tablet in your house, there's no reason at all you shouldn't have launched with uh, just being able to, to watch Netflix like you would on a tablet on your Switch. And none of that is, is currently out there. That's been delayed with no ETA. There's no date as to when that stuff's coming. Um, the, I believe it's Nico Nico is the uh, kind of Japanese YouTube that just launched uh, last week or two weeks ago. And that's the first app that's actually launched on the Switch. But, you know, that really is not huge for anyone here in the U.S., obviously. So um, I just I don't know. We, we've kind of talked about it before, but I, I 
it's going to be interesting over the next year to see how the switch develops because right now it is lacking um, i think it's getting by on hype and it's getting by on its portability factor and i think if you remove those two things now um, i don't think it's it does well at all um, but that said of course the portability factor is the core you know functionality and design behind the switch so i think from that perspective uh, nintendo nailed it but um other than that, uh, you know, I don't know what people are, are playing so heavily on, as you said, that you couldn't play elsewhere. Yeah, and a couple things to touch on that. Um, it's really weird when your handheld portable, the 3DS and the PS Vita, can do all the streaming services. Yes, the 3DS can do Netflix. The 3DS can do YouTube, which is really weird when your big target item that comes out can't. Um, so that's really strange to me as far as the decision. Um, I know I've seen some responses and people, we only want to play games. Well. I think you're in the minority. I think a lot of people, when you're spending that much money on a console that has the power that it has, um, you should be able to easily look at a YouTube. I mean, you got a touch screen where you could type things in. So it's kind of weird for, for me to, to justify that it's lacking on so much. Um, so I, I don't know about that. And like the, like the the chat program makes zero sense for people that didn't know what it is. It, it came with Splatoon 2. There's one piece that you buy and then one cord goes to your phone. The other cord goes to your headset and the other cord goes to the console. So you have like this weird thing that controls everything in the middle of it and you have to have it on there. If you have a phone that doesn't charge or something, you're kind of screwed. I'm sorry, it has a different port for charging. So the newer iPhones don't do that. Um, kind of weird. Um, I don't know. It's like I said, I, I can't talk about it too much. Um, and regarding how I play it, like at home, I only play it on the dock. I'm not a big handheld gamer. Um, so I was hoping that the Switch would have more docked features um, the, than stuff. I only do handheld when I'm traveling, and I thankfully I do travel a lot, but now I found myself looking for games to play on on, on the go, and there is a few, but um, not enough for me to just continually buy software. So I don't know. And then, like I said before, the previous gen and um, the previous gen coming instead of new software, I don't know how long Nintendo's going to write on that. I think what's going to happen, and this is just a prediction from from me, there's no you know, substantiation behind it. Um, but I think what's going to happen is the 3DS is eventually going to get phased out. The Switch will become the one be-all for Nintendo for handheld and home gaming. And uh, after that, people are going to move from their 3DS eventually and only buy Switch stuff. So that'll be another kind of Nintendo trickery, I guess you'd call it, to where it's the only way and the only place you can buy Nintendo software. And so that'll kind of keep the hype going. And I, I can't understand if it's genius what Nintendo does or <laughs> if it's the worst idea ever. It's just such a weird thing. It's like they're completely polar opposites, but it it works for them. Um, I Gosh, to think that they've already sold half of what the Wii U sold in five months, um, or almost half. I think the Wii U sold around 12 million units. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, that's all I got to say about it. <laughs> I, got, I have a ton more, but I, I don't want to spend too much time. It does all sound like an idiot. So yeah, no, I I, I think um, I think a lot of people, um, especially people who aren't just diehard Nintendo, I, I I hate the word fanboy, but you know, people who defend them no matter what. I think there's that group of people out there, but people who look up at, look at them objectively um, have similar thoughts and complaints. It's just. Nintendo has such a following and they have so many um, iconic characters and franchises and it, it, it just seems so weird that they manage them the way that they do. Um, and I, I don't know. As you said, I can't tell if they are um, 
you know, uh, complete idiots with the way they handle it or if they're geniuses because, you know, we keep saying, we, we seem every few years to talk about Nintendo doing stupid things and yet their their stock and their um, their business revenue and their profits just continue to rise. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I guess that's why we're not running Nintendo. But yeah. um, anyway, yeah, in regards to playing it at home, uh, I'm just like you. If I'm at home, I prefer to play it docked. I'd much rather play on the TV. I'd re- much rather play with the Pro Controller. Um, you know, I can play uh, the Switch holding it, but um, after a little while, it does get a little uncomfortable. Like, I had a few-hour plane ride where I was playing Zelda, and after a little bit, my wrist started to kind of lock up on me a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think, um, I don't know, we'll see. I think it's going to be interesting to see, like I said, the next year. Uh, when Mario releases in the fall, that's obviously, he's the king, you know. Um, and if they figure out the shortages by fall, I think the Switch is going to sell just uh, amazingly well through... Uh, you know, through the holidays. So we'll see. But I really hope that Mario blows us away. And um, really, I only have one more question for you uh, on the Switch that we can comment on. And that is, do you prefer the gray one or the neon one? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, since I'm not a big fan of loving a ton of attention and people staring at me because something's too bright, I'm not that person. So I, I went with the, the gray one, and I love the gray one. I actually love – one thing I will say about the Switch is it feels and looks awesome. Um, there's the feel of it and the quality of it is, is great. So, how about yeah, and, uh, and clearly, um, as tends to happen from time to time, Bert is wrong. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so obviously, the one to go with is the the neon. And uh, you know, Gosh, I, I can't mean, even see right now. I feel like I'm no, I know it's it's blinding. I really could just turn the lights off here and just kind of hold this up in front of me, and you'd be fine. But um, no, actually, as, as you know, I wanted a gray one, and uh, this happened to be the one that went in stock when I was uh, stumbling upon it. So I picked it up. But funny enough, I kind of like it now. So I, I like the blue. I may end up, again, a sucker for what Nintendo does. But they put a blue and a red, and then they sell a separate set of these that give you the blue on the right and the red on the left. So if you want to actually color coordinate, like you want blue on both sides, you can go spend another $80 and get joy cons that'll allow you to do that so and again yeah. those are selling out you know every accessory for the for this switch is selling out as well so i have one final question for you too <laughs> if you were to predict the final sales of what the nintendo switch will do what is your number oh that's a good one we'll come back to that if uh big cast is still alive in a few years <laughs> <laughs> um all right let's throw a number out there let's say um 70 million. Wow. Okay. I, I'm sticking at 50 million. I think it'll do 50 million. And then by then Nintendo will have something new out. Okay. So Yeah. I think, uh, be interesting because, uh, you know, it's, I don't think it's going to match the Wii. Um, no, no. And, uh, PS3 and, uh, Xbox 360 are both what 80, like the low eighties, 82 million. So I don't think it'll reach that either, but yeah, we'll see. That'd be interesting to come back to actually. Yep. So, Okay, well, uh, that's the Switch. We'll revisit it again maybe uh, at the end of the year and see how it does over the holidays and with Mario releasing. But um, we wanted to just kind of touch back on that for people, you know, as the shortages kind of get better and people are picking them up, uh, give our thoughts on it. So plenty of info out on our site, like I said, if you want to learn more about the Switch um, and, and what you're getting. So so we're moving on to uh, another section we'd like to do here, as you know, uh, regarding collectibles. So video game collectibles, both Bert and I, as you can kind of see, uh, we're always buying something game related. So um, Bert, what do you have to uh, to show this week? 
Yeah, so I, I tend to scour over Craigslist probably every other week just to see what's going on. Um, and I got really lucky this week. I got the Halo Reach Legendary, I believe it was called. Um, it was the big box that came out, or maybe Halo Reach Limited Edition, maybe what it was called. And um, I have the statue sitting up here. I don't want to bring it down because all the weapons get weird, but it came with the actual box as well. And what makes this thing really cool um, is that it's got Halsey's journals. And so if you have no idea who Halsey is, she's one of the main characters in the entire uh, Halo universe and, and canon. And she was the one that came up with the Spartan program and kind of has a special relationship with uh, John, which is Master Chief. And so inside of it, um, you get her journals. And that was something that is just a huge thing for me. Um, and I have it right here. It's in this thing. I don't want to pull it all out. But the, the stuff in this uh, collector's edition that came out was just awesome. It has, it has so many things. Uh, game came with it too and the big box um, is there too I just didn't want to pull it out for the video but it came with everything and I got it for 20 bucks so it was a big win for me um, I think when this came out Ains I don't know if you remember but wasn't it like 150 or 200 bucks yeah it was, um, a, it was 150 if I recall correctly though you know I don't really know anything about Halo um, so no, you don't. You're not a fan. You're not a fan. So I was able to get that, um, and I actually bought it when it launched. And there was a whole cleansing thing that I did a few years ago, where I got rid of all my collector's editions because I didn't have room in my small apartment. So I regretted it ever since. Twenty bucks, man. I I, I got an awesome awesome deal on it. And the guy that's old to me is another Halo guy. So he was like, I'm glad it's going to a good home. So I did that. Lastly, um, my friend was recently in Japan. Uh, he got me two of my favorite games for the Super Famicom, um, Chrono Trigger and Super Mario RPG. Um, I do have a Super Famicom. I just need to find an AC adapter for it to play it. The unfortunate thing is I won't be able to understand what I'm playing because it's all in Japanese. <laughs> However, <laughs> I wanted it just from a collector uh, standpoint. These Famicom cartridges are awesome to me. It would have been cool to have a complete in box. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens in the future. I'm going to the retro gaming um, uh, convention this weekend in Austin. So maybe they'll have something there that I can't pass up, but um, that's it for me this week. Uh, how about you? Yeah, that's awesome. I was just going to um, comment on the, the uh, reach. I was saying that I, I noticed that the statue sitting right above my head here. So uh, the camera doesn't get the whole thing, but yeah, that collector's edition was fantastic. Uh, even just the yeah. box, the box itself is really cool. You know, it's cause it's, it's modeled after one of the uh, UNSC crates in the game. So um, that was probably my favorite um, Halo Collector's Edition. Halo 5's was actually pretty good, but I mean, Halo 5 is a, you know, I prefer Reach as a story and the characters uh, in that sense, just uh, Noble Six and all those characters. So that was really neat. Uh, for me, I uh, was just going to quickly, a uh, smaller thing, but kind of neat. So um, we were talking about limited run games earlier with, uh, with um, Night Trap. So another company out there that does some things like that is called I Am 8-Bit. And this is the um, physical copy of Hyperlight Drifter, which was a, a PS4 game. Um, and what they do is uh, very similar. So they make a physical copy, and then they give you some nice things with it. So, um, for instance, it's got a full-color uh, instruction manual, you know, things that we used to get normally with games, um, which is really neat. It comes with a, a gold foil reversible cover um, and then a, a full-color map as well, which I won't fold out in front of you here. And then, of course, you get the physical copy of the game. So these are really neat for collectors like us because it's, you know, rather than buying the the $15 or $20 digital copy, which you really, you know, I'm not a huge digital copy fan. I like having the hard stuff. So um, getting a physical copy that's unique, they only make 9,000 of these, and they've been sold out for a while, uh, and having all the, um, you know, the manual and the map and things that go with the game, I've always loved that stuff. So I thought that was really neat. So like I said, limited run games, 
and I am 8-bit is the name of the site that did this one. So keep an eye on those things if you like these types of collector things because they're really neat. Man, that's awesome. That's great yeah. for collectors. There's a lot of companies that do really cool things like that. So um, I love when that stuff comes out. Yeah, it's really neat. And I hadn't played Hyperlight Drifter previously. So, you know, I, I some of those small indie titles that I hear may get physical copies, I'll actually wait on until, until they release them just because I prefer that greatly. All right. So... Um, Moving on to uh, season reflections, our little uh, our little segment here where we like to talk about a classic game that we uh, loved, uh, you know, whether or not it's still playable today, how you can find it, etc. So, Bert, what's yours for this uh, podcast? Season reflections. <laughs> um, okay, so funny enough, my game um, is what I actually got from Japan, which is Super Mario RPG. Um, it is my season reflection for this week. Um, I can't tell you how much I love this game. Uh, this is when um, Nintendo and Squaresoft had a partnership to make a game. There's a huge uh, story behind this. So if you're interested in the documentary behind it, it's on YouTube. Um, I'll actually try to find the link for it. But um, it was an amazing game because it was an RPG at a time when Squaresoft was unmatched with RPGs. And they got together with Nintendo and made um, a Super Mario um, RPG. And the, the art direction, the story, um, the graphics that were at the time of, for the Super Nintendo were just great. Um, it's actually still very playable if you're into the, uh, I guess, the retro RPG type, type stuff. Obviously, there's no full motion video or any amazing graphics like that, but the story was great on it. And um, it was just one of my favorite games back then. It's why it's my reflection today. Um, I need to kind of uh, see if I can find a Super Nintendo version and not a Super Famicom um, version for it. Um, and yes, as like I said, you can play it. And it is going to be one of the games that's coming out for the Super Nintendo Mini. So if you pick that up, you'll be able to kind of play it there. I think that'll be kind of the best way to play it because you'll have HDMI support. They'll have the uh, plugs. You can simply just play it. And I'm sure they're going to have a good emulator to play for it. So if you can find it um, for Super Nintendo, Nintendo or Super Famicom, if you have that, check this game out. Um, I'll, obviously, it's going to be playing up here as a video for you to see what it was about and how cool it was. But um, I love this game, so check it out. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, kind of jealous um, and mad at myself because uh, I, I remember, you know, I, I was a huge Super Nintendo fan, one of my favorite consoles of all time. It might be my favorite console of all time. And uh, I remember when you could buy that game, obviously, in the store, but also, you know, when it started to kind of fade away, you could get it for like 30, 40 bucks, and I never bought a copy, and now they go for, I haven't even looked lately, but I know a Super Nintendo uh, mint copy box instruction manual, they're not cheap to, to pick yeah, up. Yeah, they're, they're, they're north of 100 bucks, so, yeah. and if you can get one sealed, uh, it's north of like 200 bucks, so um, they're great. Yep. Yeah, really mad at myself that I don't have a copy of that, because it is really cool. It, as you said, it, it came at a time where Square Enix was making just tremendous software. Between the 16-bit era with Final Fantasy 2 II and 3 in the U.S. and then, you know, in the PlayStation 1's uh, era with uh, all the games at, at that time, Squaresoft uh, were just fantastic. So it's kind of neat. And, I, you know, I have to wonder if... Um, I don't want to keep going here, but I have to wonder if the Mario and Rabbids Kingdom battle, which is kind of like this new strategy version of uh, with Mario characters, is not looked upon... It, may not be as great or as a classic as Mario RPG, but it may be looked upon as one of those uh, one-off Mario games, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the line that was kind of unique at the time, too. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. Um, moving on to mine, this is, uh, I'm only going back last generation. I usually like to go a little older, but um, I happened to come across this uh, title sitting on my shelf, and I loved it to death, and uh, I still feel, you know, kind of sad at the fact that the whole fallout that happened between Rockstar and uh, was a Team Bondi, I believe, out of Australia. So mm -hmm. this is uh, L.A. Noir. So 
this is um, the complete edition, which is really neat. This is a four-disc copy um, for Xbox 360. It was a fantastic game. Um, if you haven't played L.A. Noir, if you think like a uh, a combination of Grand Theft Auto but mixed with like a um, a detective game, so you you basically go around solving crimes and interrogating people. It was incredibly unique. The uh, the tech behind the facial um, animation was what really made the game stand out because they spent years making it. Because when you were interrogating people, you actually had to read their their facial expressions to kind of get a sense of what they were. Um, if they were lying to you or, you know, what was what was going on in reality. Um, I just loved it. I thought it was an absolutely amazing game. It's one of my favorite games from last generation. Um, I'm kind of sad that it's not on backwards compatibility for the Xbox One yet because I'd love to go back to it. Um, I know you can find the standard game pretty cheap. I haven't looked this one up in a while. The complete edition was going for a decent amount um, a year or two ago, so I have no idea what it goes for now. Um, but if you haven't checked it out, uh, if you like... Um, mystery games or detective games, especially if you like open world Grand Theft Auto style games and you haven't played it, I would uh, highly recommend doing so. It's still very playable today. Uh, I also love this game. Um, I actually thousand it on achievements on Xbox 360. It is available for PS3 uh, as well. To let you know how much the standard version going for, it's going for five bucks um, <laughs> used. Um, I actually just rebought it, another game that I bought and traded it in. This is in my trade-in days where I just had to trade everything in to get the next stuff. I don't do that anymore. Collect now than I. So you can get it super cheap from GameStop. Um, eBay, it's also going for about five bucks shipped. So, um, you know, I also suggested um, highly um, the, I can't remember the DLC that it came with. I think it was oh, yeah. only like five uh, or 10 bucks. That's why the complete edition is the one to get. Yeah, I was just going to say, so this says um, right here, it says it gives you five additional cases to solve yeah. uh, as part of the DLC. And I, I want to say this also came with a few other little niceties, um, but I, I don't have it. Like I said, it's four discs and comes with a full manual and everything too. So if it's not if it's not too much more and you do want to pick it up, I would definitely look for the complete edition. And just as an FYI, because I didn't know this, I had the normal edition of the game um, and and beat it and 100%ed it, and then I picked up the complete edition. And this is not compatible with the normal edition. So if you have a save file from the normal copy and you go and pick up the complete edition, it will not be recognized. Uh, similar to what we saw with like The Witcher Three complete edition. So just uh, just be aware of that. Yeah, to give you an idea what the complete editions are going for, so they're going for about 15 to 20 bucks. Okay, yeah, so if, if you're so going to pick it up new, definitely go for that. Yep. So. Cool. Great game, right. guys. Give it a try. <clears throat> All right, well, I think uh, that is what we have for you for BitCast Episode 6. So uh, just in closing, like I said, um, we're doing a lot of streaming and... Um, um, videos on Fortnite, so you'll see a lot of us, or excuse me, you'll see a lot of that in, in co-op, and if you go to uh, Mixer channel for me or, or, or Bert, you may see some uh, videos that you can check out if you're kind of curious about that game, and my impressions are on the site. As always, uh, you know, huge thank you to the, to the people who tune in and listen or watch, and, um, you know, we, we, we do this for fun and, and hope you enjoy it. So you can find us on uh, Facebook um, under Season Gaming, and uh, we have a Facebook group. You can find a link to that on our site. And then uh, on Twitter, you can find us for Season Gaming. Um, I'm Porsche Power, and Bert is Trev M3. And then, um, Bert, anything you want to add before we close it out here? 
Yeah, so we, we've added a, a new type of video or type of uh, content for you guys to watch. We have a new thing called SG Conversations. This is going to be where we kind of pick a topic and talk at length about it. Um, we usually have Jordan Simmons on there. So if you've heard a couple of ones, we had our debut episode last week, I believe. Um, and so keep a lookout on those. These bitcasts will kind of continue in the same format. We'll have a shorter main topic on these. Um, like we had today for Switch, but the um, SG conversations will be about an hour, an hour and a half long where all three of us talk about something. So uh, be on the lookout for that, a new type of episode for you to watch. We'll have some playlists available for you guys if you just like listening to them while you're working or you know in the car. They're great content to kind of listen and tune into. So thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, and one final piece on that, Bert, thank you for bringing it up, is uh, if you'd like to listen to this in audio version on SoundCloud or iTunes, um, those kind of merge together. So I'll title them uh, SG Conversations or the Season Gaming Bitcast so that you know the difference. Um, so last week we had uh, two different uh, Bitcasts on Episode 5. We had a main topic breakout. Those are going to be our conversation topics uh, going forward, as Bert said. So those will be the larger, longer topics. And then the Bitcast format will remain as uh, as you saw today. So. Thank you again, and uh, as always, uh, if you like what you see, please uh, subscribe and, and rate us and let us know if we can do anything better or any suggestions you have. But thanks for listening. Take care.